Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. This episode is brought to you by Progressive. Most of you aren't just listening right now, you're multitasking. But what if you could also be saving money by switching to Progressive? Drivers who save by switching save nearly $750 on average, and auto customers qualify for an average of seven discounts. So multitask right now. Get your quote now at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates national average 12-month savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2022 and May 2023. Potential savings will vary. Discounts not available in all states and situations. Come on, uh, against the rest of the league, I think your record's like 35. <laughs> against Mahomes, it's 0-3. I know you're a prideful guy. Does, does, does that bother you? Does that nag at you that there's you know, like one team, one player that, that, you're, you, know, that you haven't beat, you've beaten yet? No, nah, you know, um, it's not about, you know, me and Mahomes. Not to me, you know, probably to everyone else, but, you know, it's the Ravens versus Kansas City Chiefs. Um, they did beat us, you know, three times or whatever, but that's in the past. We, we, you know, we got a better opportunity this time to come around and we, we take the advantage and win, win in our home stadium. Um, but I'm not dwelling on those losses. You know, we, we come a Sunday night and we're going to play. Lamar Jackson, Ravens quarterback. Chris, you referred to him earlier as Superman. Remember, it was last year after the Ravens lost to the Chiefs on a Monday night that Lamar Jackson said the Chiefs are our kryptonite. And... Uh, they got a little kryptonite from the Raiders on Monday night, but the Chiefs will have some more. And he's right. It's never about quarterback versus quarterback. But when you have two great quarterbacks, I mean, it was never about Peyton Manning and Tom Brady, but it was still Manning versus Brady. Yeah, sure. It's their two teams. Those are the players who are the faces of their franchises. Even though they're not on the field together at the same time, it's still about the they're two ba- of them. Yeah, Which yeah. guy can lead his team to a win over the other guy's team? Yeah, no no doubt. I mean, they're the marquee players in our league, of course, in this matchup, and that's what people are going to do. They're going to pit them against each other. And it's, yeah, we just want to see who's going to rise up and make the plays to help their team win the game or, or put them over the edge. You know, and, and you know, for fortunately for Kansas City, Mahomes has been that guy. Now, yeah, matchups and a lot of other things play into that you know, that angle there. So uh, that's why it's not – you can't just always go, oh, well, they lost and it's Lamar's fault. No, there's there's other issues too. You know, the way the Ravens play defense, it, it doesn't necessarily match up great against the Chiefs' offense. And the Chiefs have a defensive scheme and what way they play that I think matches up pretty good with what the Ravens want to do. So that's where, you know, it is advantage Chiefs to me in that matchup. You know, again, Spagnolo knows, hey, we know the running game and all that. There's some big dudes up front for Kansas City. But here's the other advantage they have against, like, again, we've talked about this a lot. The passing game for the Baltimore Ravens is a little bit predictable. 
I think if you break it down, you can break down the route combinations easily. And I think Steve Spagnuolo probably goes, wait, I can put in a run play. I can, we can play run defense, and I know if I just guard this area and that area, then off of that in the pass game, we'll be okay. So I can kind of get the best of both worlds. And that's where Kansas City's had the advantage to me, at least from, from my studies of the last two years of those games. A great week two Sunday night game. We're so focused on the season getting started and Tom Brady going back to New England. And here we are, week two Sunday night. Boom, Chiefs and Ravens getting together right out of the gates. A little what's more likely week two preview. Chiefs versus the Ravens. What's more likely? Lamar Jackson is the game's leading rusher or Tyreek Hill has 10 or more receptions. What's more likely? Wow. I'm going to go with Lamar Jackson as the game's leading rusher. Just, I, you know, I think Tyreek Hill has a big game. I, I do, you know, unless Baltimore changes how they play completely. Uh, but, but I don't know if I see ten plus receptions. I, I'll go with Lamar Jackson as the game's leading rusher because, of course, I don't think Kansas City is going to be rushing the ball a whole lot either and have a lot of yards by any one of their running backs running the football as well. Clyde Edwards-Alaire had 43 yards rushing last week against the Browns, and Hill had 11 catches for 197 yards. It's Hill, it's Kelsey, and they're waiting for, whether it's Byron Pringle or Mecole Hardman, somebody else to step up and play that Sammy Watkins role. Until then, it's going to be a lot of Tyreek, and it's going to be a lot of Travis Kelsey. I agree with you. I think Lamar is going to be the game's leading rusher more likely than Hill getting 10 or more catches. Raiders versus Steelers. What's more likely? T.J. Watt has two or more sacks, or Derek Carr leads the league in passing yards again this week. He had 435 in week one, and Watt had two sacks against the Bills. Yeah, right. So, yeah, I mean, I don't know. You hear that stat, and you go, wait, he had 435 against the Ravens, and now Mahomes and Tyreek are coming? Wait, what's going to happen there? Um I guess I, I got to go T.J. Watt here. I, I just can't imagine, you know, Derek Carr going off like that against the Steelers in Pittsburgh. And here's the other angle I look at, Mike. I mean, Mike Tomlin knows John Gruden's offense. I mean, he, he spent a lot of time there in Tampa Bay with him. He's going to know that offense better than, let's say, Gruden knowing Mike Tomlin's defense. Why? Because it's not Mike Tomlin's defense. It's Keith Butler. It's the Pittsburgh defense that Mike Tomlin was so smart to keep in place when he took over and he checked his ego at the door and he got, you know what, this defensive scheme kind of works for like the last 20 years. How about I just keep it going and I'll learn the defense and adjust to you guys. And that's what's smart. And I think they have an advantage there. And that's why I go TJ Watt has two plus sacks over Derek Carr leading the league and passing again. I agree with you, and I think one of the factors that we need to keep in mind, we've said this before, but it bears repeating, the Raiders and the Ravens, Monday night game, 65-plus minutes of football, That's right. hard-hitting, intense, yeah. physically and emotionally, and both teams flying back to the East Coast, the Ravens right away, and the Raiders later this week for a game against very challenging, difficult opponents, and for the Raiders, it's another physical game, and I agree with you, it's more likely that T.J. Watt has two sacks. Uh, Cowboys-Chargers. What's more likely? Is it more likely? Are they more likely? Let me try this again. More likely to combine for more receiving yards. Kid Amari can't even read. Lamp. Well, I, it, <laughs> somebody can't write. What's more likely to happen? Who's more likely to combine for more receiving yards? Amari Cooper and C.D. Lamb or or uh, Keenan Allen and Mike Williams? To today, Junior. Okay, geez. You Come on. It out. I know. Come on. I'm having fun. <laughs> Answer um, the question. I'm going to go Allen and Williams here. It's not easy. It's not easy. But I guess I have a lot of respect for Brandon Staley, the way that defense looked like looked last week against Washington. He is a game plan specific guy. 
I do think they'll be able to rush and get after Dak Prescott with just the front four. And, uh, you know, I look at, hey, Joe Lombardi, the new OC, there for the Chargers. Yeah, he's got Herbert, the weapons, and also has great understanding of the Dan Quinn defense. I mean, he he was in New Orleans. He was playing Atlanta twice a year the last few years. So he's going to understand that, and that's where I think I'm going to go Allen and Williams uh, over the other two. Yeah, but boy, the other two are pretty good. I know. Damn, it's scary. This is like lots of good players on the field. I I don't think Brandon Staley is going to blitz and blitz and blitz and blitz and blitz and keep giving the opportunities for the Cowboys to get the favorable matchup. They're going to be more concerned about taking away CeeDee Lamb and Keenan Allen and forcing the offense of the Cowboys toward the running game because they clearly prefer to pass. All right, uh, I agree with you on that as well. Allen and Williams. Uh, Chargers are just one of those teams that – they just, they're just kind of there. The Rams are the big team in L.A., and uh, I think the Chargers are going to be pretty good, yeah, and they're going to have to prove like it. it one week at a time. 49ers and Eagles, what's more likely? Trey Lance takes four or more snaps, or Jalen Hurts throws four or more touchdown passes? Well, I, I can't Im- I mean, Jalen Hurts played great last week. I have yet to really watch that film. I've watched the game a little bit like, you know, TV copy a little bit, but yet to really watch it. I mean, he played great, but I just can't imagine four-plus TDs. I don't. Not against the 49ers defense, who I still think is really good. Now, there's some secondary issues there, but they also have a defense that you know has a great front four and, and gets after you a little bit. You're not going to have all day back there. I, I'm going to go with Trey Lance takes the four-plus snaps here. I am. I just think Shanahan will find another few ways to infuse him. What did he get last week? Did he get How many snaps total did he get? I, mean, I, I think it was four. I think that's pass. where these are coming from. If there's a trend here. It's statistics from week one being grafted over onto, over onto week two. Okay. So it's catching on. Four, four, catching he, on. he had four. So that's what it we're doing It seemed like here. he had more. Right. It, it seemed did. like he had more. That's why I yeah. was asking. That's why, that's why I was like, man, is that so? But, yeah, I'm going to go with Trey Lance takes the four-plus snaps, certainly. I also think he'll take more snaps this week because this game's going to be closer. I think they were able to – Get him out of the game, avoid further injury to the finger. Right. Give Jimmy Garoppolo a little more time. You know, it, it just let's just settle in and and save our secret weapon for when we need it. Let's not show too much of our Trey Lance package once this game is out of hand. And I think that was one of the reasons why it was only four snaps. So I agree with you on that one. Saints and Panthers. What's more likely? Jameis Winston has another five touchdown, no pick game, or Christian McCaffrey has another seventy-five plus yards rushing, seventy-five plus yards receiving game. Man, I, I got to go with McCaffrey here. I, again, I, you know me. I think like Carolina is a team to watch out for. I think they're talented, uh, you know, young and talented. But man, five TDs is a special thing to do to do that. Now, McCaffrey. 75 75 I do like I don't know if he can run for 75 yards against the Saints I'm, I mean that's that's a real question the Saints D was whooping some butt last week I mean that front seven I mean that's the one thing I love about Sean Payton you talk about 5,000 yards offense 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 his team is like more times than not the most physical team on the field and has more renegades who want to knock your head off than any other team in football and I love that about them but still uh, you're going to make me pick one of the two. I'm going to 75-75 with McCaffrey. Yeah, I, I think that five-touchdown thing is uh, going to be hard to sustain. Right. It is amazing. Five touchdown passes with only 20 throws and only 148 yards. When I first saw that he had five touchdowns, I thought, wait a minute, he only threw 20 passes. He only had 148 yards, but he did throw five touchdown passes. And Winston has said this week that uh, he relishes the fact that with so many of the assistant offensive coaches on the COVID list, 
he's been able to work directly with Sean Payton more this week Ooh, and uh, learning cool. even more about how to properly run that offense directly from the master of it. Uh, and Sean Payton has shown a mastery of offensive skills since he became no the New Orleans head coach in 2006. Let's go ahead and take a break. When we return, some prop bets for Thursday night football. We'll do that next here on PFT Live. Hey, bro. We're going to real bounce back. It is what it is. We're going to regroup. It's the AFC. We got a game Thursday that really matters. That's Cole Holcomb mic'd up after the loss to the Chargers. The Washington football team gets back at it tonight. A chance to get to 1-1 one one after starting the, the year 0-1, and there's only three games with a combination of 0-1 teams on each side, the Giants and Washington both 0-1. Tonight, more passing touchdowns. Daniel Jones or Taylor Heineke, the over-under for both is set at 1.5. Man, I, I'm going to go hmm, – I'm, this is a tough one here I, I'm really because I'm really equal in a lot of ways. The Giants' secondary was not great last week. I'm going to go with Daniel Jones, though, just the fact that I don't know that the Giants are going to be able to run the ball on Washington. And that if they are going to score touchdowns, they're going to have to throw the ball and it'll have to be Daniel Jones. So I'll go with him there. I don't feel overly confident about it. Yeah, I I, uh, I don't know there. That's a tough one. It really this is. This is a tough one. Yeah. And it's one and a half, so you're going to be over, you're going to be under. There's no half touchdown, obviously. High-level analytics on my part. I'll go Jones. Just gut feeling. Yeah. I'll go Jones. I, I think he's going to be feeling the pressure. More and Heineke, I mean Heineke, if he he just can't play like he played against the Buccaneers, or it's going to be down to Kyle Allen, and maybe it will be Cam Newton there before too long. I'll, I'll go Jones. More receiving yards: Sterling Shepard or Terry McLaurin. For Shepard, the over under is fifty five and a half. For McLaurin, it's sixty nine and a half. Shepard went off last week. He looked really, really good. Terry McLaurin, you know. Was, is, of course, is one of the, like, the secret weapons in football. He really is, and he's a matchup nightmare because he can run by just about anybody in football on a straight go route. I'm going to go with Shepard just because I, I think he'll get more opportunities as well. I think their offense can kind of feature that slot receiver a little bit more, and just knowing the Giants and how they play defense, I would think Daniel Graham has a few tricks up his sleeve in some certain situations to kind of shut out Terry McLaurin. Another one. This is a tough one, but I'll go Sterling Shepard. Yeah, Shepard had 113 last week, and the problem is you mentioned earlier that Curtis Samuel is out. De'Ami Brown did not have a great debut. No. He had one catch for minus two yards. They need to work him into the mix. And again, with Taylor Heineke, you throw to the open guy. Don't worry about who you go to. They got Logan Thomas, who had a touchdown from Heineke last week. Evan Ingram is out for the Giants. I'll go with Shepard. I think more yardage for him tonight. Antonio Gibson oh, over yeah, under. Okay. I was going to say one thing just with like Deami Brown. He got a huge play at a pass interference that set up a score for Washington at one point. Sorry to cut you off, Mike, there. Sorry, Mike. That bad. doesn't show up on the stats yeah. or the fantasy football numbers, right. unfortunately. Antonio Gibson rushing yards over under 69 and a half. What do you have? I'm going to go over. I'm going to go over. It he had won't be, 90. He yeah. had 90 last week it on won't 20 be, carries. It won't be much over. I, I do respect this Giants D-line, as you've heard me say many a times. The, 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 the Washington offensive line is pretty good, too, though. And I would think Ron Rivera is not going to want to make this to Tyler Heineke 
shootout show here to where, yeah, he's going to run the ball and, and try to play through his defense to a degree. I would think Ron Rivera is going to think like, hey, let's not screw this up on offense because they can't pass protect, and I would think our defense makes a play or two that are going to help us win the football game. At least that would be my thought going into the game a little bit. I recommend being very careful when articulating the word shootout show. It can accidentally <laughs> yeah. come out like a different kind of show. Hopefully it won't be that kind of show tonight for either team. Team to throw the most interceptions tonight. Washington is plus 190, means bet 100 to win 190. Giants plus 140, bet 100 to win 140. Or draw, draw. they have the same number of interceptions, 0, 1, 2, et cetera, plus 160. Which one would you take? Oh, you could go draw here. Like I, I want to go draw. I, I do think if there's interceptions being thrown in this football game, you know, I I could see Daniel Jones throwing it because he's getting hit as he throws balls pop in the air. And those type. I'm gonna go draw here. I'm gonna go draw. I bet you. I'm gonna say both quarterbacks throw one. I'm gonna take that one. Um. Yeah. This this just feels like, and it really is wild guess. I understand that people want to have a little skin in the game. They want to have a little extra fun. But the idea that you're going to be tormented by a defensive back who has both hands on the ball and drops it because, as they say, that's why he plays defense. I, I would just stay away from this. I'll just go draw. But it's it's throw a dart, hold your breath, and hope for the best. It's there's no way to control this. I mean, it could be a draw late in the game. And the Giants are down by seven, and Daniel Jones fires up a Hail, Hail Mary, Mary in the end right. zone. And what happens? Right. It gets picked off, and I there know. it goes. That's so why, yeah. too, ma- too many variables for something like this. Total points scored. The total over-under for this one is 40.5. You want over, you want under. I, I want to say under. I, I don't know why I have a feeling where like Thursday nights always surprise us, though, and they end up being like more points. I'm going to go under. I just can't imagine. I, I, I think this is like a 2017-type football game. I wouldn't be surprised if it's 1916, somewhere in that range. This is going to be like old-school NFL, NFC East-type football, I would expect tonight. The Giants had 44 points in their game against the Broncos, but the Broncos were up 27-7 late, and it was 36 total points. I'll go with you as well. I'll go under. Short week, physical, not a lot of complexity. Just get out there and take care of business and try to get the win. All right, let's go ahead and take a break. It is the return of our Thursday in-season matchup draft. We did it last Thursday for the Week 1 game. This Thursday we're doing it for all the games of week two the matchups that we are most intrigued by we will draft those next here on pro football talk box Sort of a different situation that we're having, but you know, Cook was talking about how Chandler does some things like he's quicker than people think, and some, you know, just has he ever like snuck up on you on practice or like anything? What, what's it like watching him do this work? No, I expect it on Sunday. You know, he's he's a really unorthodox guy. You know, doesn't doesn't you know he takes his shirt off. He doesn't look too good, but he, you know, he, 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 no, he makes plays though on Sundays. That's Kyler Murray talking about Chandler Jones. Somebody tell Baby Yoda the truth about his new hairdo. I'm not laughing, bro. Follow me back, too. What's wrong with his hairdo? I guess he's saying he doesn't like it. Jones doesn't have hair, so he's jealous. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Maybe that's it. I got no problem with Kyler Murray's hair. I thought it was going to be more of a size thing because my guess is 
it takes two plus Kyler Murrays to equal one Chandler Jones. I like Baby Yoda standpoint. though. That's a good nickname. Yeah. I do like that. Well, well, Chandler Jones probably could carry him around like Baby Yoda. That's how much larger Jones is than Murray. And I love seeing those photos of Murray with the other players. It just gives me a greater appreciation of yeah. how special Murray's talents are, his ability to survive, much less thrive out there on the field. All right, week two, any game, any matchup, whatever you want, however you want to craft it, what are you looking forward to? First pick, Chris, goes to you. Okay, I think I'm going to lead this off with uh, Marlon Humphrey versus Tyree Kill right off the bat. I mean, it's our Sunday night football game, but yeah, the Ravens are 0-1, and they got the Chiefs coming to town, and the Chiefs are the Ravens' kryptonite, per se. They match up well with the Ravens. The Ravens are under man. I got to think Marlon Humphrey is going to be matching up with Tyree Kill. Marlon Humphrey is hands down one of the best corners in football, and they ask him to do more than any other cornerback in football. And so, yeah, he's going to let up some plays every now and then. You know, most teams don't match up their guy with three different guys according to the situation. Usually they just go, hey, we want you to cover this guy this week. You know, it's very rare, but I think you'll see him on Kelsey. But in a lot of important situations, I do think it'll be Tyree Kill. And uh, I think that'll go a long way to seeing who determines or wins that game. Well, and hopefully the Ravens learned from watching the film of last week's game that you should not Don't do it. cover right. Tyree Kill on right. a regular basis. Give right. Marlon Humphrey some help. By the way, Marlon Humphrey, we, we haven't talked about this. The play on Monday night where he broke up the pass that was intended for Darren oh, I know, third right? down and had the ball in his hands. The ball had never touched the grounds, and he just dropped it. He had no idea. He said yesterday, I had no idea that was – a football. I, I don't know what he thought it was. Well, <laughs> I don't know what what other oblong leather-covered device he thought was out there on the field, but he had it in his hands, and Hunter Renfro got on top of it in the event that it was an interception. But when you watch the film, it's clear that, that Humphrey didn't have it long enough. But he had it right there. It was 7 nothing. Would have been a short field. Could have been an early knockout blow for that yeah, game. No, it could have been. It, it, it's weird, you know, because you're a DB. He knocked the ball away. So he's thinking, wait, I knocked it, and now you're falling to the ground. You're thinking the ball probably hit the ground, right? You know, he's not seeing that. He's got a body, and he's got Darren Waller, who's, you know, a giant, and they're rolling over. But, like, miraculously, the ball stayed on Darren Waller and never hit the ground and then ended up right in, like, Marlon Humphrey's bread basket. But at that point... He, in his hands. In his hands. In his hands. Yeah. But at that point, he probably thought, oh, that, that ball hit the ground like two or three times. He's not thinking that. That was, that was a strange play. Crazy. First one for me, Andy Dalton versus his old team oh. and his new fans. He gets <laughs> yeah. the double whammy, right? This <laughs> right. is his chance to get back at the Bengals. But you know what? Could I just join the Bengals today? Because he's going to get the same reception that he would if he was the Bengals quarterback <laughs> on Sunday. What a weird scene this potentially could be in Chicago, especially if the Bears don't get off to a fast start offensively. Because you've said it, Chris, they are going to hear it. So... Of all the teams that could be coming to Chicago once every eight years, here come the Bengals, and Andy Dalton just happens to be entering his second game as the quarterback, the team he spent nearly a decade with, and the fans already want him back in Cincinnati. It's going to be a weird, weird day. It's going to be a fun one to watch, although it may not be fun if you're Andy Dalton or anyone who uh, cares about Andy Dalton. could be a long day for him and for Matt Nagy, the guy who decides when Dalton's out and when Justin Fields is in. Yeah, that, I mean, I'll be watching that and keeping a close eye early on in that game just to see if there's – some early success by Andy Dalton to back off, you know, like I said yesterday, the pillaging of the Chicago Bears fans who are going to storm the field and be like, no, we want Justin Fields. Uh, 
you will not take our freedom. So that will be fun to see. It really will. And I think there's a lot of pressure on Andy Dalton going into this week two matchup. All right. I'm going to go coaches here. Flores, Brian Flores, Miami Dolphins versus Brian Dayball, offensive coordinator of the Buffalo Bills. Again, it's two New England guys. Huge game for Buffalo. They don't want to start off 0-2. I mean, Miami, you know, of course, is a good football team. We know that. I really think, you know, watching that game back on film, they, they, they were lucky to win that game last week. Not lucky. I don't want to say that. I do believe they were the lesser team on the field. New England made some mistakes in the game that you just don't normally see New England make. It was very rare that way. So uh, this is a huge matchup, and they got the weapons in the secondary to match up with Buffalo a little bit. And, of course, Flores has the knowledge of that offense too to where, yeah, I'm interested to see what Dayball has to offer to Flores that might be new. And just that matchup in general to me is going to be fun and a huge game in the AFC for week two. My next one is another coach versus coach, and we've made some reference to this, I think, not that long ago, but John Gruden, the former Buccaneers head coach, against Mike Tomlin, the guy who got started in Tampa Bay, was working with Gruden. You were there with both of them on the same staff. And I saw that Ed Bouchette of The Athletic has an item about this, and it is very intriguing. Tomlin, far more accomplished overall than Gruden. He's got the Super Bowl win. He's got another Super Bowl appearance. Right. He's never had a losing season since becoming the head coach of the Steelers in 2007. And the point Bouchette makes, Gruden's making $10 million a year. Tomlin's never made $10 million a year, and he may never make $10 million a year as the head coach of the Pittsburgh Steelers because they don't pay their coaches that kind of money. A strange contrast in career arcs, and they come back together. The, the head coach and the assistant, and uh, obviously the Steelers have the better team, but the Raiders look pretty good on Monday night. And Chris, as I mentioned the other day, there have been some games in recent years where the Raiders and Steelers get together, and the Raiders win. I think the Raiders are 5-2 and two in the last seven games between these two teams, and the Raiders have not been a great team over that stretch. The Steelers have been. Yeah, it's odd. It, it is always odd when you hear numbers like that, and you just go, wait, how, does, how did that happen? You know, uh, certainly. You know, but, but Gruden wasn't there. For, for a lot of those. And I, I do think the knowledge of Gruden's offense plays more into Pittsburgh's favor, like we talked about a little bit earlier. But, yeah, I mean, Mike Tomlin, yeah, he's, in my mind, surpassed John Gruden as a head, co head coach, no doubt about it. Tomlin is a unbelievable motivator and has a great feel for the overall football game. Like, defense, offense, how we're going to work this together – and that's where he's really special. Uh, I think a lot of John Gruden, you know that. But, uh, yeah, Tomlin doesn't quite get the respect he deserves, and I think we both agree on that. Um, All right, oh, next pick My from pick. you. Sorry, here we go. Uh, I mean, I'm going to go Colts O-line. That was not a wall, okay? That was not a wall last week. They got some major holes in their wall versus the Rams D-line this week. I mean, the Colts got their second – NFC West powerhouse team coming into town. They did not protect Carson Wentz last week. You know, it wasn't all on Carson Wentz. There was truly guys just getting beat. The scheme got beat. There was all sorts of issues. And now, yeah, you got Aaron Donald and Floyd and that Rams defense who can get after the quarterback. That, that to me, I mean, man, the Colts start 0-2 with all the issues they had through training camp and the COVID stuff that you brought up earlier. 
Uh, I, I'm going to have my eye on that because if they can't protect Carson Wentz in this one, they have no chance because I do think Matt Stafford and company are going to put up some points against that Colts defense. This is one that I just thought of last night. And I, I, as we're trying to make our our predictions, we're doing the Mega Picks podcast coming up later this morning. It'll be available on the PFTPM feed and on the Chris Sims Unbutton feed. It'll be on Peacock at 5 p.m. Eastern today. And this one hit me like the proverbial ton of bricks. September 20, Monday, will be the three-year anniversary of the Thursday night in Cleveland where Tyrod Taylor started the game for the Browns, got nicked up a little bit. Yeah. In comes Baker Mayfield, and that's that for Tyrod Taylor in Cleveland. Well, now Tyrod's coming back to Cleveland. Tyrod Taylor versus Baker Mayfield. You look at it and you think, ah, we're still in that mindset of the Texans aren't very good. Well, they looked pretty good a few days ago, thanks to Tyrod Taylor. And he's finally in a spot where there's no first-round rookie that's ready to take over whenever he slips up or has an unfortunate encounter with Dr. Needle. I'm not writing the Texans off in this game. This is the perfect opportunity for the Texans to catch the Browns flat-footed. Hey, we just had that game against the Chiefs. We should have won it. Don't let one loss become two. They better guard against any and all feelings they may have. We can't wait to get the Chiefs. We want to fast-forward and play the Chiefs again. We don't want to play the Texans. We want to get to the playoffs and play the Chiefs. you got to check every box. And the Texans are going to be the team that no one thinks is going to win. And I'm not saying they will. I'm not making my pick. I'm just going to be fascinated by the Tyrod Taylor-Baker Mayfield showdown because you know Tyrod's going to have a little something extra when he goes back to Cleveland because he was the guy until he wasn't the guy. And now he's got a chance to go against the guy. Yeah, well, I think the one thing we underestimated is like the Houston Texans got a lot of pros who have been there, done that. And that's where we dropped the ball last week against the Jacksonville team, where it's just it's a total mishmash of things right now. And yeah, you know, you say what you want. Lovey Smith knows what he's doing to win NFL football games. You know, they got an offensive system that makes sense, and some players there who have been around the league and Mark Ingram and, and Tyrod Taylor and, and company who have like of course know what it takes to be battle tested that way. I think that's where like I feel like, man, I, I disrespected them in that angle. I don't expect them to win the game, but He's certainly going to be motivated and want to shove it up you know where uh, to just Baker Mayfield and Cleveland because how could you not? As a competitor, I would too. Even though the writing was on the wall, we know Baker was the number one pick. Still, you don't want to be supplanted in week three or at any time, and I'm sure he's going to have a little chip on his shoulder. Let's take a break. When we return, Derek Carr does his best to chime in on something that happened 20 years before he was born as the Raiders prepare to take on the Steelers. More PFT Live right after this. Derek is a, uh, is a lifelong Raiders fan growing up. Even the games before you were born back in the 70s where they just had these Raiders Steelers rivalry game yeah. and so forth and the immaculate reception all that stuff. What are some of your early early yeah, memories? I'll test the ground. Steelers. <laughs> Derek Carr having a little fun, having a little fun about the immaculate reception. The ball touched the ground. There's no evidence the ball touched the ground because there was like two cameras back in those days. There's Terry Bradshaw. Incredibly great quality there. The ball comes off of the defender and there's. Franco Harris 
uh, the, the big controversy was whether or not the ball touched Frenchie Fuqua exactly. before it touched the Raiders right. defender because the stupid-ass rule in those days was How if it touched the offensive player first, no other offensive player could could catch it. What, what is that? That's the dumbest thing ever. I know. Who thought of that rule? Like, oh, yeah. Like, the what ball. are you trying to keep from happening? I know. Yo, they might do that play where they tip the ball in the air and the guy runs it. <laughs> I mean, it makes no sense. That is like the really, it really is stupid. But that's the debatable part. I don't know. I, I have a hard time thinking the ball touched the ground. But and the other thing that gets lost in Can't translation with that one is Pittsburgh. Everyone thinks that was like to go to the Super Bowl or Pittsburgh Super Bowl. But yeah. Pittsburgh lost went to Miami week. last week and got the next no. week. Who was it? They hosted. They hosted, hosted Miami, Miami even though Miami work. was undefeated right. because in those days. Your record division. meant crap. Right. It meant nothing. Right. It was a rotation. Right. That makes no sense. No. Now, that was years before, you know, you had idiots like us talking about football. But could you imagine how the media would have reacted to a a, a, a situation where the Dolphins are 16-0 and or 15-0 and and they have to go to Pittsburgh in January to get their ticket to the Super Bowl? No, but, yeah, I, the, the it's Dolphins crazy. Won. Yeah, it is it's absolutely That hit crazy. the defensive player first. It did hit, the, hit defensive the defensive player first. It definitely did. Not, did but you could have not French even hit the court. offensive guy, and then you could catch it. i got to look at the rule book for 1972 again. I don't stupid, know. Stupid, stupid, stupid. Frenchie Fuqua is the guy, by the way. i got a great Frenchie Fuqua story. I just don't have time to tell it. Who do you like tonight, Washington or the Giants? Uh, I'm going to go Washington in a tight one, I think. Washington in a tight one is where I'm uh, leaning. But you got to tune in the podcast. I don't know. That's right. That's it. See you later. See ya. I didn't make a... Reese's Peanut Butter Cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, (laughs) That's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. Whatever job you need to do out there, Grab the right tool to get it done. The new F-150 with an available hybrid engine and up to 7.2 kilowatts of pro power on board to power things on the go. It's not a tool you'll hang in a tool shed, but you can certainly use it to build one. The new 2024 Ford F-150. Tough this smart can only be called F-150. Available starting early 2024. Optional features the owner's manual for important operating instructions.